this, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. Sam Goodman, the hot nerd, coming to you from the sunny and beautiful Phoenix, Arizona. I used to say warm. I, I can't really say warm right now because it's been pretty cold, right? Uh, well, I guess Phoenix is still warm compared to what most of you all are going through. I shouldn't complain, right? This this desert rat here now complaining about it being 50 degrees in January. That's probably, probably not so great either. Huh? <laughs> so before we get started, Please make sure that you head over to www.thehopnerd.com. Check out the website. Send me an email, uh, thehopnerd at gmail.com. Use that really cool email form on the website. Um, you can also use the chat feature there to get a hold of me. There's other contact information. Give me a call, shoot me a text, do something like that. Uh, follow along on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, send me a DM, slide into the DMs. Let me know your thoughts. Let me know your questions. Let me know what you would like for me to talk about or guests that you would like for me to have on. So we've got some of those coming. I've, I've been uh, been talking to several several of my buddies out there that I'd like to have on to start with. So uh, more to come. You'll hear from those folks pretty soon, and it's going to be pretty awesome when you do. So today, we're going to take a little jump into operational learning. So that's a hot topic, right? Operational learning. And you've heard several other folks in this space say something similar to this, that learning is the only real tool that we have in this fight. Uh, and I'll credit that back to Conklin. I don't know if he said that first or not, but that's where I picked it up at. And that is such a true statement, right? Learning is the only weapon we have in this battle. So we have to use it to the max, right? So let's talk a little bit about operational learning. So what is operational learning? Operational learning is a technique. Um, it's really a technique of learning from those closest to the work to gain operational intelligence, right? The detail that we've normally missed in the past because we've never experienced the work before. So we're using those folks closest to the task to tell us how tasks actually happen, how bad things actually happened, all this kind of stuff that we have to get context and reality, right, to understand. So to me, that's what operational learning is kind of in a nutshell. Usually the way that we see operational learning manifest, uh, at least in a hop-based workplace, is through the use of learning teams, right? Learning teams is, is probably the big, bright, and shiny one that we all aspire to, is how do we get learning teams started at our organizations? Uh, and even going back into general hop implementation, if you go back and read some of my articles on that or listen to some of the podcasts on that, that's a really critical piece that we have to get off the ground if we want to drive true effective change in our organizations is operational learning and learning teams. So let's try to put a little bit of a definition on learning teams. So a learning team is a facilitated conversation between those that do the work, those that design the work. It's to share operational intelligence between those two groups 
and ultimately improve the system, right? We can use a learning team proactively. We can use it reactively. So if we have a process out there that's just clunky or sucky, right? Clunky or sucky or not so great, we can use a learning team to help better that process. So especially if it's a process where it's not used, it's not used effectively, it's not seen as valuable, there's a reason, right? And we need to ask the folks that actually use that system why or, wh or what that reason is. We can use it reactively, uh, post-event, right? Post-deviation from expected outcome, right? We can use it post-event and we can dig in to really understanding uh, or a better understanding of how things occurred. So let's focus in here really quick on post-event, right? So post-event learning from failure kind of use of learning teams. So traditional safety led us down this path of incident investigation, which was an event occurs, we ask kind of these normal investigation questions, we find out that somebody messed up or did something not so great or stupid, right? And that's where we stop, right? Somebody broke a rule. That's why bad stuff happens. We have very few improvement opportunities. We're left updating some procedure, doing some crappy stand down, doing something like that, doing some retraining, doing a, a safety memo that says, hey, everybody pay more attention, be more, try more, be more smarterist, and never mess up again. And we think that that's actually fixed something, right? Um, and what we end up really is we end up frustrated, right? We end up frustrated with with the employees, we, and the employees end up frustrated with us, and it really doesn't get us very far. So in the new view post-event kind of learning team, rather than post-event investigation team, an event occurs, we start asking better questions, we try to move past those biases that lead us to error and blame, we learn that an error was made or that a rule was broken, but we also learn how or why that made sense, right? Why it was broken, why that made sense to folks, we recognize that we would have probably made a similar error, right? If we were actually in that tunnel, right? Back credit to Decker, read that book, right? Understanding human error, the field guide, make sure you dive into that. Um, but we start to understand that if we were in that tunnel, we were seeing, smelling, feeling, all the kind of stuff that they did in that exact moment in space and time, we would have probably made the exact same decisions. So we get past that. We start to realize there's nothing really to quote, investigate right? We're, we're, there's really not nothing helpful in investigating anyone or any particular thing. What we really need to focus on is moving past investigation and into learning. So we throw a learning team in there, right? Our employees are the biggest assets in helping us improve the systems, right? Even the employee that was involved in the event, this is usually the moment when I'm sharing this with leaders or managers and their, their eyes get really big and you can see their kind of head explode a little bit. And they say, what in the heck do you mean the employee that had the event is going to investigate the event? And yeah, kind of, sort of, right? You want that employee involved, if possible, on that learning team. That's super helpful to have the person that was actually there involved on that learning team, right? So you throw that person there and you actually get some really, really, really good, valuable stuff. And I think a lot of that goes back to this. And it, it's a Decker quote, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but the point of an investigation is not to find where people went wrong. It's to understand why their assessments and actions seemed right at the time. So back to being in that tunnel, 
the only way we get close to that reality, the only way that we start to understand that context is by involving the people that actually understand the work, the folks that were actually involved in the events. That's magical. I'm, I'm telling you, that's magical. When you get those folks together in a room and you facilitate a learning team and you have that kind of open Vegas rules kind of trusting environment, they're going to tell you some really useful things. You're going to dive into some amazing, amazing learning. And what happens when you come out of that is you find out that there is a ton of stuff out there that you can do. There's a long list of improvement or betterment opportunities that these folks will come up with. Another huge benefit to this, especially using it post-event, is it's kind of lifting the curtain. Something bad happens. We're, we're not putting someone in the corner and waterboarding them. We're viewing them or, or we're viewing this as an us thing and we're doing this together and we're going to figure it out together. And we're creating a very highly accountable environment. It's kind of the, hey, you broke it, you fix it environment. And which is really, really good too. So we're actually increasing accountability at the same time when we're using learning teams. And, and back to lifting the curtain, we're, we're minimizing the chance of victimization, right? We, you, they can't feel victimized if we're not waterboarding them in a the corner, right? We're asking them for help. And we're, we're kind of going about this thing again as a we rather than a, I'm going to investigate you. When you lift that curtain, you're really generating a ton of trust and openness. You're, you're showing transparency. You're giving transparency. Here's the process. We're not going to send in folks from our corporate headquarters to come in and investigate you and tell you where you went wrong and fill out this 1,400-page report about how you messed up and you broke the rules. No, that's not what we're going to do. We're going to get together in a room. We're going to put our heads together. We're going to figure out how this happened, why everything made sense until it suddenly didn't, and then we're going to figure out how to build resilient and robust systems that, that help to prevent this from happening to other folks, but also assume for failure and allow us to minimize the outcome when it does happen again. Huge shift, right? That's a huge shift from historic investigations, excuse me, historically how we have investigated things, right? That's, that's a massive change, a massive change. Now, we flip that over to process betterment, general betterment, system betterment, all that kind of stuff, and it's still super duper similar. Right, we're going to get the people in the room that actually have to use the process or system that we're trying to make better. Makes sense, right? If you know procedures are great, rules are great, all that stuff is, is fine and dandy um, in an effective dose. Let me, let, me, let me put a little caveat there, in an effective dose, right? But you need the folks that actually have to use them the folks that have the reality, the context, right? You have to have those folks help you write those processes, help you build those systems, help you come up with those rules if you want rules that are going to be super, super valuable. If it's stuff that we just sit around and make up, it's not that valuable. Uh, I can tell you as a recovery and safety professional, we will bubble wrap stuff to death to the point to where there's so many rules that it doesn't make any sense at all. Right. Do we really need a rule saying that thou shalt not stub your toe on the dresser? Right. I, I don't think that that's going to be very helpful, but by God, we will have a rule that says that, especially if we've had an event around stubbing toes 
on dressers, right? So we need that healthy dose of reality, that healthy, healthy dose of context. And the only place that we get that is from the folks that actually have to live with and work those processes, work those systems, make all that stuff function and function effectively at the pointy end. That's the folks that hold all the answers. That's where the magic is at. And that's been a massive shift for most organizations. That's not how things have happened, right? We'll say, well, we need a process for X, Y, Z. Well, let's go to the safety department and I'll pick on us safety folks. Well, let's go to the safety department because they own the process X, Y, Z. That, that's safety stuff. Safety folks, you're my experts. Write my process on X, Y, Z. And guess what we do? And we do a really good job at it. Uh, almost too good of a job, right? And we end up with this massive process that's like 60 pages long. And we say, this is perfect. It goes through 47 different reviews at different levels and we add to it more. It goes to being 120 pages. It hits legal. We got to make sure that all those bases are covered. So now it's 200 pages long. And now we throw it out for use and it's not used very much. <laughs> it's not, it's not usable, right? And I think that's a huge shift in processes that we need to understand. We have to, we have to redefine this here or, or at least get back to the correct definition. We have evolved to the point to where we view procedures, systems, that kind of stuff as a means to constrain the workers because we think constraining the workers creates safety. And it doesn't, right? We, we know that. We know that that doesn't work very well. That's not what they were meant to do. They, they either become that or they become these massive repositories for corrective actions or legalese and, or a, a massive repository for, for learning, which eh, maybe sort of shouldn't be there either, right? A procedure, a process, a system should enable you to do your work, right? It should make your life easier, right? A procedure is supposed to be a tool that helps you to accomplish something. That's not what they've become anymore, right? They've become the, to the point to where they make your work harder in order to slow you down and constrain you because we think that will make you safer, right? And that's just not true. So I think we start there. We get back to that understanding that number one, systems, procedures, et cetera, et cetera, you gotta use the folks that have to use them to help you design them, right? And you have to redefine what they're used for. They're not as a constraint tool. They're a tool that helps you accomplish work, right? So huge shift in, in both of those spaces. But again, using those folks that understand, right? They have the reality. They walk in those shoes every single day. And we think that we do, or we have thought that we understood reality for those folks because many of us have come up in those fields. Many of us have come up in those particular trades or those particular, particular jobs but we don't anymore. The moment that we step out of that, we don't have that understanding anymore. That reality is not our reality anymore. Things are different every single day, right? So let's talk about some just general, really good reasons to use learning teams. Um, and I'll just, let's say operational learning because you can use learning teams. You can use black line, blue line meetings. You can use these really cool listening times. I've seen that used quite effectively, especially for leaders. Once you develop a certain level of trust just to go in and, and listen, right? That's a form of learning, just going in and listening. But number one, obviously, is trust, right? Everything that we do is based on trust and openness. If we don't have trust and openness, it's bad for us. So learning teams help to grow that. They're obviously a great employee or operational learning helps to grow. That learning teams are a piece of that. Um, 
but it's a great tool for employee engagement. Um, obviously the byproduct of that engagement is learning, which is super useful too. It empowers employees, right? You broke it, you fix it. You got a problem, you fix it, right? Let's put us together in a room. It's our problem. It's not mine. It's not yours. It's ours. So super duper important. It allows us to have reality or start to understand reality. It starts to let us understand context because context is super duper important. So the truth of the operation lies where the work happens, right? So not in planning or managing work, accessing that trust is critical to knowing how an event transpired or understanding how stuff actually happens. So getting back to that trust, that's the super important part. So here's another one that I think that we really missed the boat on quite a bit, and that's investigating or learning from success. That same operational learning or learning team model can and should be applied to successful activities. You know, to start, we must understand how successful outcomes actually occur. And here's a few key kind of concepts that we probably already know. But number one is that human error is ever present. It's at the heart of both successful and unsuccessful outcomes. It's always there. So successful outcomes, it's not the fact that we didn't have human error. It was there, right? Successful outcomes are the byproduct of capacity. Capacity from teams to deal with the element of error. Capacity for systems to absorb the element of error. Capacity for systems to fail fast, safe, uh, or minimize outcome or without negative outcome. Um, and it really allows us to recover quickly or respond and recover quickly. High-performing organizations, we really don't try to focus on predicting where the next failure will occur. We really focus on trying to understand or see when systems are beginning to unravel, and we have kind of stops for that. So when work goes really well, it's a great opportunity to identify the reasons it did and capture them for future learnings. So a big piece of it is let people tell their stories. Let them acknowledge that, hey, yeah, this went bad, this went bad, this went bad. But this is why that going bad didn't really have an outcome. We, we really focused on this. We did X, Y, Z. We did A, B, C. We had this. We had that. And allow them to tell that story. And here's a few kind of just really general generic questions that you might find helpful with that. What happened the way you thought it would? So what, what went well? What, what went the way you planned? Another one is what surprised you during the work? Another one is what hazards did you identify and which ones did you miss? Where did you have to be adaptive? I think that's a super important question. Where did you have to adapt? Where did you have to make do or adapt? That's really getting into that blue line because they're adapting constantly, right? We all are. We're all adapting constantly to this crazy and complex world that we live in, whether we're working or not, but especially when we're working, right? What made the work different to other work? Was there anything different? Again, just a really good kind of starting point for investigating or learning from success. I think that that's a place where we miss a lot, right? We miss a lot. Work goes right 99.999 whatever percent of the time for most of our organizations. Just from a data standpoint, look at the amount of data that we're missing. So even if you just want to start here, use this term, learning rich success, right? Start, start looking for learning rich success or interesting successes. That's interesting 
we need to look at that. If it's interesting, it's probably learning rich. So again, a great place to identify where you need a learning team. I'll flip that over to post event too. similar. You can't do a learning team for everything, right? We have to really focus on the important things, focus on the stuff that kills you, the stuff that might bankrupt us and the stuff where we know that it's learning rich. So interesting success, interesting failure, learning rich kind of stuff is where we want to stick these things in. Learning teams are an amazing tool. I, I, I just cannot, cannot tell you how much they've helped us in growing where we're at and how much I've seen these help grow other organizations. Uh, they're just amazing. They're, they're, they're magical. That's the only way to put it is they're absolutely magical. So what do you think? What do you think about learning teams? What do you think about operational learning? Are you ready to scrap your incident investigation procedure already? I tell you, a lot of folks have, a lot more are, right? You want to, you want to move in that direction. It's probably a good time to do it. There's a lot of great information out there on operational learning, learning teams. I will point you in the direction of one of the folks that I listen to and dig into a lot of their stuff on learning teams is Bob Edwards. Check him out. Just Google him. You, you can't not find him. He's out there a lot. He's usually teaching some classes here and there and everywhere too. So again, check out Bob Edwards if you want to get some really good, useful information on learning teams. So that's all I've got for you today. How was it? What did you think? Am I crazy? Am I insane? What do you want to hear me dive more into on learning teams? Right? A lot of this, I start with really high level general concepts. I get your feedback and that tells me where I should go next. So let me know. Send me an email, thehopnerd at gmail.com. Follow along on the website, www.thehopnerd.com. Publishing all kinds of articles and cool stuff there too. And I almost forgot, I added another section called resources. You listened in on one of the last podcasts where I talked about I want to share more. And that's what I'm putting there is the stuff that I'm sharing. There's not a lot there yet, right? There's not a lot. I shared one of my presentations. I'm going to share more. If you have stuff that you would like to share there as well, let me know. I, I would love to take a look at it and put it out there. I'll gladly give you credit for it. Gladly put your name all over it. Uh, I'd love to share it there and just get it out to the masses. But again, follow along on all of our places there. Uh, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, publishing content very regularly. Hope you're checking that out, sharing that. Let me know your thoughts on it. Thank you again for tuning in. This conversation is how we make the world a better place to work. Until next time, it's Sam Goodman, the hop nerd, your culture geek, the roaming hop evangelist, signing out from the beautiful and sunny Phoenix, Arizona. Bye, everybody. Bye. <laughs>